always an honor to come up here and preach and do the things that God has taught me in my life. It's a little different when you get behind here. A little different. Anointing's here for sure. You can feel it, man, as soon as you step up here. A little different. God is so good to us. I'm going to preach today about a love that surpasses knowledge. I'm going to give you just a little sample of what we, been, what we learned the first four weeks down in class. And you're just going to get a little bit of it. Because you're going to get like a 30, maybe 40 minute message. We went four weeks. But in that process, there was a change that took place. We started to learn a little bit more about who God really is and his love towards us. That it can surpass everything that it knows about us. And see us right where we are. That's powerful in itself. That's a powerful message in itself, I said. Where were you when God found you? If you turn with me to John chapter 8. I'm just going to give some examples today of some people that were living in sin when God found them. See, I know where I came from, and I know what I did, and I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to give it place. But I know how low I was when God found me. And that's what's always kept my heart tender towards God. I know how bad I was. I know how rotten I looked in the eyes of God. But he could look past what he knew about me and see where my future is going. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come, as we come this day, we learn about who you really are. Lord, let our hearts be tender. Let our minds be attentive. Holy Spirit, teach your people this day, none of me, all of you. For I cannot do it in myself, Lord, I need you. Holy Spirit, teach your people this day. Let you get the praise, Lord, and the honor and the glory. All of you, none of me. Hallelujah. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him, and he sat down. And the, oh, sorry. And the scribes of the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had her, set her in the midst. They said unto him, Master, 
This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? You're going to see how Jesus handles issues. You're going to see how Jesus handles issues. Jesus looks past what other people see. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? Does it, that should make you happy. That should make you very happy. He can look past everything you've ever done and see you face to face. That God could take his holiness and come right in where you are in your life in filthiness and still sit there and say, I love you. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The very act. In other words, it was in the middle of it and they pulled her out of it. <laughs> and the law said that she should be stoned. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down. And with his fingers wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Can you imagine what he was writing on the ground? Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with it. When we stand before somebody that's done something wrong to us, I wonder what that looked like on the ground if Jesus started putting out in front of us what we'd done wrong. Think about that for a second. Before we start judging and throwing stones, think about what Jesus would put in front of everybody and start writing down everything you've done. That's how God works. God's judgment is righteous judgment. He doesn't want people to not come to him. He wants people to come to him. Because he's not going to hold your sins against you when you accept his son as your Lord and personal Savior. So before we start sitting here and get that holier-than-thou attitude, maybe we might want to stop and see what Jesus is putting down on the ground about us. So when they continued asking him, he lift up himself and said unto him, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped right back down and started writing on the ground. How many of here, you don't have to raise your hands because I know you all know. How many here have ever sinned in their life? How would you like it? If everybody knew what sin you did, would they look at you the same? You see, we as people and as Christians, 
We say it's under the blood. It's under the blood. But those that are out in the world, they don't see it like that. They look for the first thing that they can pick up and say, ha ha, I gotcha. And they're ready to smack you in the face with that stone, man. Because they know what you did in the past, in the back, in the corner, in the dark when no one was looking. They know about it. And that's the first thing that the enemy will always do to you in your life. He will always throw your past at you. Always. That is something that we're always going to have to overcome. Yes, it's under the blood. Yes, I'm a different person. But to the world, they're still going to accuse you because the devil is an accuser and a liar and a manipulator and a thief. My daddy used to tell me a long time ago, you know the two things that I hate more than anything else in life, Robert? Liars and thieves, and they go hand in hand. So true. The devil is a liar, and he's a thief, and he robs us of our blessings if we allow him to because he wants you so focused on what you did wrong that you can't see where you're going. He wants to blind you and keep you in darkness when the Lord's trying to call you to light. He's trying to call you up to a higher walk with him. He's trying to call you up. But the thing is, you keep letting that past trip you up. Come on now. For the longest time, for the longest time, the past has to be put in the past. I'm talking to somebody today. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody. The past has got to be put in the past, and if I'm not talking to anybody, then I'll talk to them and preach to myself. The past has got to be put in the past. I said the past has to be put in the past. Old things are passed away. Behold the glorious light that cometh from the Lord. Put your past behind you. Quit letting the enemy sit there and tell you who you were when you aren't what you were. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. God has a call for your life. God has a call and a purpose for your life. Get yourself out the way. You're your own worst enemy. Too many times we don't like that person that we see in the mirror. We don't recognize them. Who I want to be isn't who I currently am. When I walked up here and I felt the anointing of God under me, I felt it. I felt it as soon as Bishop gave me the mic. I felt it. I felt the Lord tell me, and I was telling my wife earlier, 
Time to start fulfilling the calling. Time to start walking the walk. Time to start you seeing what I've been telling you all these years. I come from a family of ministers and preachers and evangelists. You see, my, my daddy's mom was an evangelist. She was a preacher and a pastor. And then you go to my mom's side of the family, and the greatest man I ever watched preach was my grandpa. And he was an evangelist, and he had a prison ministry. And he did many things. And I felt the Lord, and it was confirmed through my aunt. When Grandpa Anderson passes away, you're to take his sword and pick it up for the family. That made me run away from the Lord for a long time. Because I didn't want to lose my grandpa. But what the Lord has said will come to pass, will come to pass. And now I'm starting to walk in it. Today, as I came to church, I, I felt the anointing on my life, and I felt God's presence hard. You can ask my wife. I was bawling in the middle of the living room because the Lord started speaking and started talking. I started, I started telling my wife what the Lord was saying, and I couldn't, even, I couldn't get everything out. I just started crying. I started sobbing. But to, in order to walk that walk, you got to answer the call. I got to answer the call. Put your past behind you. Like I said, I ain't just preaching to somebody. I'm preaching to myself as well. Just as much. I'm no longer who I, I'm no longer a slave to fear like that song says. I ain't afraid no more. I could stand up here under the anointing and know that I am a child of God. But you know on the road there's bumps, there's bruises, there's trip-ups. This is all love that passes knowledge, all love that surpasses knowledge. In order to get to where you need to go in God, you got to love like God loves you got to love like God loves. I, can, I could beat that until it's ingrained in your head. you got to love like God loves. See, we have a certain kind of love. But does it match with God's? That's something we're going to have to work at always. While there's a heartbeat in your chest, you're going to have to be working on love. Always. And I want to I want to share something with you that I had a problem with and God had to deal with me. And I'm going to I'm going to go to Acts 22 real fast. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear you me, defense which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence 
And he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up this city as the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the, law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God. As you all are this day, and I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness. And all the estate of the elders from whom I also deceived, received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass as I, as, as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell onto the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, and he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. God was showing me this. And I shared a little bit with the class last week. And I'll get, I'll, I'll get back to that scripture in just a second. But I shared with the class how I helped baptize this lady that had been murdered by her husband. You might have seen it. It was on the news. And God was dealing with my heart. Can you love him? Can you love him? This woman was a good woman, a godly woman. My wife and I went to church with her. And we were in Albany together. And we came to know her. And I understand that the devil got involved and this man killed his wife and then killed himself. And I heard the Lord say, can you love him? I gotta admit, I struggled with it for a minute. That flesh wanted to just pick up that stone. Say, I don't, I don't want to forgive him. Look what he did. And the Lord quickened my heart. What have you done? Have I not forgiven thee? I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to pray for his soul. I want you to pray like it's your soul. Because he's teeter-tottering right now in between life and death and eternity and where he's going. I need you to look past your pain, son. And I need you to pray for him. Can I be honest with you? That was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Because inside myself, I thought I had a righteous judgment to feel the way that I felt. But when God is talking to you and he's, he's see, he's setting me up. 
Because if you want to walk a little deeper in this thing called love, it's going to take stepping out of the norm. It ain't going to be just pie and apple pie and everything sunshine all the time. Sometimes you're going to have to deal with some things. Sometimes you're going to have to forgive when you think people shouldn't be forgiven. Because if you want that walk, watch, I'll get to Bishop Hill, in the order of Melchizedek in the priesthood, you're going to have to do some things. It's going to require a more higher walk. I want you to know when I did, when I actually got on my knees and I started praying for that man, I started weeping. I started crying. I started to think about his family. I got myself out the way. And I started to think about how other people might feel that love this man. And God's telling me I need a man. That while I'm praying, there's angels all around him. (laughs) And they're waiting. You see what happens when you get yourself out the way? You start to let the Lord have his way. Not my will, thine will. That's tough. That's hard. I understand that. I get that. But in the days following, there has been more and more blessings in my life. I felt a peace that I've never felt before. I've always had issues with anxiety and things and stress. No, I have no more. What I'm currently going through at work I ain't going to get all into it, but right now I'm, I'm on a leave right now because of allegations that, a, that an individual had made against me. But you know what the funny thing is? During all that stuff, Brother Chuck, they asked me while I was up in the main office at Stabilization and Crisis Unit, DHS, how would you like to come work for us and work in the office instead of having to deal with the clients all the time? It would be a whole lot easier than what I do. I'm a mental health therapist tech. For some of you that know what that is, that means I have to deal with people that are physically aggressive and mentally unstable. The first thing they want to do is attack you. Guess who's the first person that gets called in to come handle that? Go get the big guy. That's what I hear all the time. Go get the big guy. We're going to need help. But you see... Wherever you go, if you're serving God, he'll put you in the place where he wants you next. See, I wouldn't have been able to have that happen, Brother Chuck, had I just looked. They'd never know me because we never see the people in the office. We never see any of them. Okay? We're <laughs> That's, there's a good one. That's good. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But you see, I, I like 
what I heard one time on a message. I forget who said it. It might have been Joel Osteen who said it. He said something about your setback is a setup. God's setting you up for more, for better. You know, what the, you know what they see, Chuck, when I come in there and work? They see this. It's not, not my suit, <laughs> but nice shirt, tie, church clothes. When I walk in there, and immediately, oh, we, we got to have this guy here. It's the first thing they said. My boss, so actually the executive director of the whole place, she came and she's like, it's really, it's really good to have you here. It really is. So you ever think about maybe just staying? See, those kind of things don't happen. But what happens is God puts his favor on you. He puts his super on your natural. So that you will gain favor with others. You might not even know how to do the job. I don't know. I, I, half the time I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And, and I ask a lot of questions. And sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I feel dumb. I should know this stuff. Man, I don't work on Word. I don't do labels. <laughs> I take people down. <laughs> but the thing is, God's setting me up. Next level. On to the next. On to the next. So if God can use somebody like Paul, why can't he use you? He used a murderer, Chuck. He used somebody that not only was a murderer, but killed Christians. Sink that in. And who wrote most of the New Testament? Paul. See, God could use anyone. God could use anyone. Love that surpasses knowledge. His love surpassed his knowledge that he knew about Paul because he knew what he wanted to do with Paul. What does he want to do with you? How many people do we have out here today that you've heard things in your life been spoke over you? Hmm? How many people do we have out here that God has told you stuff, but it hasn't come yet? Let me tell you something. Those harvest fields are ripe. It's getting ready. It's getting ready. You see, just a couple weeks ago, when we were down there in that downstairs, that class, I'll tell you something. You want to fill an upper room experience? It was like that. It was powerful. Wind blowing over people's faces and legs. And the, the Holy Spirit starts prophesying and speaking into our, into our lives. And it all started with this lesson. Love that surpasses knowledge. He, it was our setup. You see, he was setting us up. He's getting us ready for the next level. Next level. Psalms 103.10. Now I'm going to start getting a little deeper. One hundred three ten. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Got some notes for you. 
God's love surpasses love more than mere men and women. He knows us intimately. He casts our sins away and doesn't remember them. He remembers that we are flawed beings and remembers his promises he made to us through his son Jesus. God's love for us surpasses our very understanding of what love really is. God's love don't have conditions. It doesn't. Because he loved us while we were still yet sinners. It don't have conditions. He loved you when you were at your lowest low. God loved you. He saw you. He made you. He knows every fiber of hair in your head or on your face. He knows you intimately. What he wants is for you to know him. He wants you to know him. See, we have an idea of what we think or who we think God is. But when you start to learn love that passes knowledge, you learn a whole much more than who, that what God really is and who he really is. Some of you have calls on your life right now. And hopefully in the next class, Brother David, I believe, is he's going to be teaching it. You'll get to learn from him. But for us that have been able to start where we're at right now, we get into that priesthood of Melchizedek. Come on, man. It's getting deep now. We're getting deeper and deeper. It's getting gooder and gooder. <laughs> Turn with me to Romans. Romans 5. Verse 8. <laughs> I'm going to do it, babe. Well. <laughs> she's like, she's like, she was telling me, don't you get up there. Because I, I was, I got, I got these new shoes. I was like, someone's got to break in these now and later gators. <laughs> I was like, I, I started, I was telling her, I was like, I'm going to be like Brother Chuck. Well, the Lord said I'm going to come down. <laughs> I said, well, well, well. See, we have a good time here. This is a good church. You're learning the love of God, and we're having fun, and we're having laughs. Welcome to the family of God. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. We're not here to occupy just a seat. We're here to interact and gain substance so that we could take it out and love God and love people. Yeah. And that we could show the love of God to others Amen. in a lost and cruel world. That they might see love through each and every single one of you. Romans 5, 8. But God commandeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, there you go. His love didn't have conditions. We were sinners at that point, and he said that he still loved towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were not followers of Christ, God still loved us. So his love doesn't have conditions. He loves because he is love. He wants us 
to choose a more fulfilling life in his son, Jesus. So in his dying on the cross, Jesus showed that man can come to God through him and have the promise of eternal life. You've heard many promises in your life. And people have broken promises. Jesus isn't a promise breaker. What he said, he would do. And what he said shall come to pass. He says, I changeth not. That's a wonderful promise in itself. Too many people have spoken things in your life. And you've let it burden you for too long. I'm speaking to somebody now. Oh, she'll never be this. She'll never be that. He'll never do this. And he'll never do that. He's a no good, low down, dirty sinner. But what does God say about you? What does God spoke in the dark when you're by yourself? He says, I love you. I want to know you more. It's that still small voice. And you hear it. Sometimes it wakes me up at 4.30 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, man, Lord, I got to get up in an hour and a half. <laughs> I'll help you get through it. Take some time with me, boy. Let's go. And most of the time, he'll just remind me of things he's told me in the past. Remember when I told you that I'd send you out into the highways and byways? My time has come. When you know God's voice, it says, my sheep shall know my voice. They shall not follow after another. Do you know what that voice sounds like? tell you it's the one speaking promises over your life and good intentions it's not the one telling you you're nothing it's the one that says I still love you and I'm still waiting for you turn with me to Isaiah 11 I knew this message wasn't going to be a raw raw let's get them message I knew that but I also learned something before when I was learning from grandpa he said when they're quiet it means they're listening they're learning when you can look out there and you see people's faces and you can tell they're hanging on every word because they're listening they're paying attention and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of its roots and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge 
and of the fear of the Lord and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes you see that you catch that neither reprove after the hearing of his ears so what he's seen and what he's heard but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked in righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins amen amen I have notes on that I gotta get to that <laughs> Jesus is the rod of Jesse spoke of by the prophet Isaiah he's talking about when he returns from heaven in all his glory his knowledge of what we have done in our past he will know but his love will allow for him to look past what we've done and see the heart of his people. He will be our protector for those who love him and towards the enemy, he will smite them. This promise to us is something to really draw strength from. That he knows my flaws and knows your flaws and chooses to love us anyway goes beyond my very comprehension. How great is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he loves people like us. And all we had to do was choose his ways and will for our life by choosing him as our king. He knows everything about you. And he loves you. In spite of our own selves. He loves us. He cares for us. He sees us where we are. And you know what he wants? A deeper walk with you. Thank you, brother. He wants to know you. He wants you to know that he knows you. He knows your cares and he knows your needs. Go ahead. And he wants you to come have a walk with him in the cool of the day. I want to have an altar call right here. Morning, The brothers know when we come up here and Bishop calls us up to pray. I'll tap each one of them on the shoulder and say, let's go to war. This is the battlefield right here. This is the battlefield in the spirit. He tries to battle you in your mind, but this is the battlefield in the spirit. Let your heart be stronger than your head. When you feel God's purpose and God's call in your life, answer the call. I know there's people here that need to come up. And God's waiting. The Lord's waiting. If we could all stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, sis. God has great promises. For us 
that the Lord needs us to have in our lives. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to uh, people that I know, been known for a while, and been ministering to for a while. But I want to share with you, in the middle of the week, God gave me a title of this sermon. Never preached it in all of the 30-some-odd years I've been ministering. I've never heard it preached. Not like this. I want to preach about the junk dealer. I want to preach about what? The junk dealer. That's what Fred Sanford was. Fred Sanford is a legend for his acting part as a junk dealer. He always played as having a heart attack when he received news, junk, that went against the way that he wanted done. Remember, oh, Elizabeth, I'm cooking. Remember when it didn't work out his way, he would just pour it on. He would just, he would, he'd get his acting. He'd even have his actor acting, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so he, he would put on. See, the thing is, is that he wanted a certain outcome, but he was so used to junk in his life that he dealt junk all the time, he didn't know how to get away from it. He made a living by other people's junk. He got attention through other people's junk. He had that little drawer over by his telephone that he slapped and then that drawer would open and he'd get his cash out. Remember that? Anybody ever watch Fred Sanford? How many has never watched Fred Sanford? Folks, you got to pull it up. You got to go to Netflix. You got to go to YouTube. Fred Sanford. TV Land. That's it. TV Land. Fred Sanford. He has a son called Lamont or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And they all trying to be cool all the time. See, I want to talk about some things that's going in our life. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews 10, verses 23, 24, and 25. Hebrews 10. Then we're going to go to Philippians 4 and 8. But in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that has promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Now that's what I want to preach about today. Exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me share one way. There's three ways, but let me touch on number one. That our lives become full of junk. First of all, it's through our 
world news and political influences. When the stage is set to tear down individuals and seek in their past anything that was wrong that they can remove them from anything that's good. To where did you know that only 14% of all news anchors and news personnel and news reporters, only 14% are Republican, the rest are Democrat. But here's what they want you to do. They want you to be influenced and get involved in one-sided political views that they may tear down an office that God said for us to respect. We are to pray for those that are in leadership. We are to pray for them, but see, they want to destroy them. So it becomes a junk world. Then I've got to look at through the world events and the world uh, views of, that we are influenced the things we allow in our lives through our eyes, our ears. How many people are tired of junk? There's enough junk dealers out there to make a living off of the destruction of your life. There's enough people out there that's junk dealers that wants to make a living off of the destruction of your life. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, they're still putting out magazines with junk. But if you didn't have an influence of perverseness in your life, they would be broke and they would go out there and collect Coke bottles for a dime apiece to make a living, but they know that their junk that they offer you. Now, I'm not talking to somebody in this church. I'm sure you're perfect. The billions of dollars been made off of our internet. The billions of dollars. Do you know the multi, not million dollar, but dollar industry called pornography. Junk. Well, what kind of message is this? It's a message that God gave to me that somebody been living under junk long enough that God says, I didn't make you no junk. You're my creation and I've got a better life for you. Can somebody give God praise for that? The distilleries that's sitting there within our country that fills the bodies with intoxicants that causes us to act in ways that we would never act without its influence. I'm still on number one, world news and political influence, world things that it has to offer. We're talking about, oh, but it makes me feel good. Oh, let me share something with you. There comes a point that it's not good at all. 
It's not good at all. Can I just go ahead and preach old-fashioned today? It's not good at all when we see a child. And I have a family. I know some people in the family, a distant of my family, that they're so hooked upon marijuana that they moved to this state because it was legal. They want to take it. They have to go out every day of their life and get 20 to $30 worth of their marijuana while their kids don't have enough clothing to put on their bodies. My friend, that angers this old preacher. It's time that we began to say wrong's wrong and junk is junk. I'll get a phone call. Well, we can't pay our phone bill. I won't be able to get a hold of you. But they got enough to go down to the pot bill. Can I just preach? See, there's not enough preachers in America that's preaching uh, that there's enough junk out here. Uh, but the thing is, uh, we got to rise above the junk. We got to get to the place that junk doesn't influence our life, control our life. Secondly, acquaintances and people in your inner circle. <laughs> if you've got somebody, all they want to do is come here and let me tell you about somebody, that's called junk. You've got junk acquaintances and inner circle. You've got to be careful of how you allow that type of influence in your life. You've got to be careful when that phone rings and you know they ain't going to talk nothing bad about that lady at the church. Oh, did you see her? Those shoes never even matched that dress. Who she thinks she is? Well, I ain't going to go to that church. That preacher was preaching so loud, and when he did preach, he talked about me. Somebody told him about me. Told him. That's junk. That's junk. I am very careful. I used to be, I wanted everybody to be my friend, but not everybody's meant to be your friend. If you know that their lives is full of junk and you've ministered to them and they're refusing the ministry, you need to refuse their junk. A drug dealer isn't your best friend. He's your worst or she's your worst enemy. They care about your money. Oh, they'll give you a little touch of it so they can get you accustomed as a customer. But what, who you allow in your inner circle. Now, let me talk to some ministry-minded people. Be careful who you let in and who you talk to. Because I don't need some kind of instruction from somebody that's under the influence of junk. If that's all they can do is tear somebody down, if that's all they can do is find something to put some... Uh, a slop on somebody, if they want to tear them down and keep them from where God wants them to go, get away from that. Hello? Well, that means that somebody in church I need to get away from. Oh, now you finally getting this message, aren't you? 
You can pray for them. You can shake their hands. But there's some people don't need to be in the inner circle. But when you are seeking God and you're on there and you want to move in the church and, and you're asking God to, to raise up ministers and ministries and anoint people's lives, you're asking God to heal your own life and to bring you to a place you've never been before, get you somebody around you that when they hear the name of Jesus, they get excited. They want to talk about his grace and his glory. Get them in your inner circle. Keep them around you. Preaching the right stuff, huh? Amen. Come here, Brother Charlie. I'm going to tell you about somebody. Come here. You failed. What did I just do? I just told him. Did anybody just get that? Uh, come here, Brother Charlie. I'm going to tell you about somebody. Come over here. You passed. Come on, give God praise. That's how it is. And they look back and go, what? Huh. Well, what do you want me to tell? What, what do you want to tell me? Hey, hey, come here, Brother Charlie. I want, I want to talk to you about it. Man, I want to tell you about Brother John. But, but you didn't hear what I had to say first. So, <laughs> But I want to talk about what God's doing in his life. Man, God is raising this man up. He come and he brought a word, man. It was awesome. And then he comes yesterday and he's helping out in the church, man. God has given us some great people in this church. Come on, friend. They ain't no junk about that. Mm, here we go. How many times have you seen this in the church? You hear about old... I'm going to make up a name nobody's here. <laughs> Shirley. Who? <laughs> Sam? Oh, yeah, let me talk about old Sam for You know, old Sam for he ain't never going to amount to nothing. And, uh, where are you going? No, no, man, you need to know this now. You got to know this person now. I'm telling you, ain't nothing. They, they, that's all they can do is get out there and they just, they ain't going to amount to nothing. Oh, I can talk to somebody else about that? <laughs> Go ahead. He encouraged me. He told me I could do that. Come on. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. I believe over in 1 Thessalonians around 5 and 11, he said we are to encourage each other and always lift each other up. Amen? Come on. You know, some people say, well, I don't understand why that person's not coming to me. I'm going through something very hard and all this. But they're just, they're just, they're just not, uh, they're not feeding into it. Because you know what? God's shown the goodness about you and they look at you just as if nothing is going wrong in your life at all. They love you. Guess why? That's the way God loved you. That's the way God loved you. You know, he is waiting to forgive you, not hurt you. His judgment is righteousness, which means full of mercy and grace and his glory. Are you ready for this, sissy? When you've done wrong, he's just waiting for you to make it right. Come on, amen. Praise the Lord. That's what God's looking for. 
See, the younger people don't get this. Because we live in such a judgmental world that the influence of this world and political views is teaching them to question and find any bit of dirt on anybody to discredit them while God is looking for to forgive them, release them from that, and that be totally erased out of their life. See, once we get into the house of God, it needs to be taught God loves at all time. God is waiting to forgive at all time. God is waiting to restore at all time. We're not to jump on the junk wagon. We need to get to the beautiful words of righteousness. Turn with me to Philippians 4 and 8. Thank you, Brother Charlie. Philippians 4. You will hear this minister refer to the fourth chapter of Philippians so many times because it covers so many different instances in your life. Now, I'm going to get to three here, okay, in just a little bit. Uh, it says this. It says, finally, brethren. Finally, brethren. What so ever, whatsoever things are true, that's not junk, whatsoever things are honest, honest does not mean gossip, well I'm telling the truth on them, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. How many times have we walked around with a mind full of junk? How many times have we tore down the reputation of another never giving them a chance with the person that's never met them. <laughs> See, God's looking for that person that says, you know what, in all I do, I'm going to build up, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to be a little Lisa. Come on. Every time I'm around Sister Lisa, I've never heard Sister Lisa talk bad about nobody. She's got always a smile on her face. She's looking where God brought her from and where she's at to now. She don't live in her past. She lives in her now looking for where God's taking her in the future. That's the kind of people I like to have in inner circle because why? I don't have to worry about somebody being unloaded on. That's some phone calls that you need to just let it ring. Leave a message. <laughs> Oh, Bishop, that's not fair. If that's all they're going to do is just talk about junk because they're junk dealers. I can't get anywhere further with God as long as I'm held back with the junk of life. I can only go to the, that place. Now, watch this. Somebody need to get a hold of this. You'll always get to the next place with God by being obedient at the place you are with God. Now, 
Let me say this again. Let me, let, me say, let me share this with you. Let me break this down with you. Don't expect to go to a level of ministry when you can't obey God for what he asked you to do now. If you can't do what he's asking you to do now, I've heard people say, oh, God's called me to the evangelistic field. But he says now, but you study yourself approved. You get your study in, you get yourself approved, you get yourself in place that when you get out there in that field of evangelism, you know what to expect, know how to handle it, and keep God first while doing it. The worst thing that anybody could do is try to meet Meet God way out here and do what God wants you to do way out here, but not do what he's asked you to do here. Well, Lord, I want to be used to see people healed, but you won't. When he calls you to prayer, you don't have time for it. Am I okay with this? Well, God, I want my family to have peace in it. And the Lord's dealing with you about what you're doing and how you're saying and how you're talking, but you think it's all left up onto them. I won't do it until they do it. See, you just became disobedient to God. You'll never see a healed house until you get obedient with God. Well, Bishop, I didn't know you were going to come here and stop on my toes today. I better get you right. There's so much junk into this world today. Folks, let me tell you, Sanford Son, that ain't junk. That's knickknacks to compare what's happening in our world today with people thinking, are you ready for this? It blew my mind. I about fell out, fell backwards. This person went and stole another person's property right off of their yard. You know what their answer was? I didn't do anything wrong. I needed it. I, that was their answer. I didn't do anything wrong. I needed it. In other words, mom and daddies, you need to get back there and teach your children the difference between righteousness and junk. You need to teach your children, no, I am not going to let you experience and make the wrong choices. I'm going to lead you so when you do make a wrong choice, at least you had a mom and daddy that told you to make the right choice. And I've led you because the Bible is going to hold you responsible because you allowed them to live in junk. You te keep teaching them that no, that's junk and you keep them away from that. Now, you may not be able to enforce it and you may not be able to beat it into it. But I'll tell you one thing. As long as you teach it and you don't give in and you don't give up and you don't let them go out there on their own and make their own decisions and think never had any instruction. My friend, that is so wrong. But my friend, when you give them the righteousness of God and say, child, this is what's going to happen if you make that decision. Now, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to make that. But I'm going to tell you this is what God wants us to do. My friend, now they have accountability. And when they stand before God, they're going to be shown a mama and daddy that said, they showed you my ways. And the thing is, they will have to choose their own junk, you won't be the junk they get it from. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let them do it because I don't want their feelings hurt. Junk. How many people still say, if you don't do your homework, I'm taking that phone away from you? Hello. 
I'm just talking about something I just went through anyway. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. It's in, the battle's in the mind. When you train your mind to obey the righteousness of God, the setting there, the devil comes in. He, do, he doesn't come into your soul. He comes into your mind to get to your soul. He doesn't have that power. He's the prince of the air. He's not the creator. The devil can't create anything. He's not the creator. Did you know that? The devil is not a creator. He's the influencer. How many people heard the devil made me do it? Hmm? He can't make you do it. He can ask you to do it because he knows you have a will. Just like God knows that you have a will to accept him, the devil knows you have a will to reject him. Amen. Devil don't make you do a thing. He suggests, but it's what you desire to do. Is it junk or not? We have enough junk dealers. Guess who the last or what's the last number three junk dealer that I have to talk about? You. We're all subject to being a junk dealer. Right? It can happen to the best of us. But a little bit of junk on one person can be tons of influence and hurt. What we really don't see that bad is horrible to the one that the junk's about. How that our President Trump doesn't fold underneath the pressure of the political junk that's going on. Do I agree in everything? I really don't pay that much attention. All I know is that that man's allowing prayer and praise in the White House again. I know that that man lets us say Merry Christmas, and I'm just looking for the spiritual side of the thing. God takes care of the money side of the thing because he gives me the wisdom and knowledge of how to do it. But I want to say, say one thing. Enough's enough about the junk. Why does someone hate another person on what you had to say? How fair is that? I showed you the analogy by using Charlie. Come here, I'm going to talk to you about somebody. At first, follow me right up there because I'm vicious. He was just, he didn't know. I never told him what I was going to do. Hey, Brother Greg, did you ever get that other uh, thing that we talked about the bag? Yeah, come on. Who wants to be my friend? You want to be my friend? Brother David, you want to be my friend? I've got something to share with you. See, it's not always from someone else. I'm a junk dealer sometimes to myself. You're not really 
as Brother Tom plays some music, you're not really affected as much from other people as what's going on in the inside. The world, you're able to handle the junk and realize this junk. The inner circle, you want to be friends and you know the best way to help a junk dealer? Give them good stuff to heal them too. what I'll always be as a fit. All I can do is make mistakes. I'll never get better. I keep doing the same thing over and over. God can't, God, God can't love me like this. Is there anything good in here? Is there anything good? Anything. This is the hour. I should just die. When the spirit's All across as we were. The greatest junk dealer. the devil telling you ever lie in your mind. Sing with me, Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship and we just keep carrying it around, reading the same old thing, thinking the same old thing. Oh, here's a big one. I'm not good enough to be a minister. Everybody's thinking about me. I see how they look at me. I see what they, how they act and how they're talking to each other. They're, they're, they're talking about me. I know it.
more and more. It just keeps coming. It never goes away. But a child of God says, hold on, I'm going to him, and I'm going to put every bit of that junk where it belongs. I said, somebody filled with the Spirit of God, they go to them, and they pick up every of those words of defeat, and they talk, and say, whatsoever thing is true. That's my bag. See, church, why would we have a church that will do this? You see what that says? We're not doing that. We'll let them go off by themselves in the world of depression and the powers of hell overtake them. But praise God, there's an army that's standing up saying that's a lie. And God cares about you. It's not where you've been. It's not your failures. It's where God has word. He says to exhort one another, to strengthen one another, not to tear them down. So other people begin to grab the bag. And they take the junk of this world. How many people want to help? So that person can walk away from them things and be set free. Is that true, Don? That's what we need in our life. Can we give God praise in this house? of defeat with you at times because I carry them myself. But I'm so glad that when I look into the Word of God, I know the truth about me. I am somebody because my God didn't make me junk. Aren't you glad that God is not a junk dealer, but He is the one that takes the things that will destroy us out of our life and give us peace that surpasses all understanding. give me a scripture that I will change and I am somebody. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and means that everything about him has been made fresh, new again. There's no imperfections in him because of the blood of Christ. He said, therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold all things have become new. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can somebody tell me that God is going to help you? Can somebody shout it out loud? My junk is junk and I know it's junk. I don't need it anymore. He covered you. You're a friend of God. And he is still Lord. 
Amen. If today you've been carrying around bags of defeat, I'm going to ask you to let me come, that you come and let me pray for you. Let us pray for you today. Oh, I don't know. Let me tell you something. I saw the hearts of so many people. They all wanted to get up here and put that junk where it belonged. In bags to be taken away from me. No longer to affect my life anymore. Because you are beautifully and curiously and wondrously made. You are a blesser. You are blessed. You are highly favored of God. See, the thing is, I'm not trying to psych you out. I'm just telling you whatsoever things are true. But I don't feel that way. Either you can have feelings or you can have faith. Feelings will tell you all you've ever done. Feelings will tell you emotionally. Feelings will identify your now. Faith will step in, take you the feelings away, and give you the promises of God today and tomorrow. How many people are going to walk out here today and say, you know what, I'm tired of listening to the junk. I'm tired of being a junk dealer. You know there'll never be a broken relationship or a divorce if we could get the junk out. Did you know that people would love each other with an unconditional love once they get the junk out? See, it's junk that keeps you from loving somebody because you got something there that's just not good about the junk. Guess what? Everybody's got things that's not going to be your recipe of an apple pie. Not everybody can be like Lisa. <laughs> you one lucky guy, Patrick. Does she act like that at home? He says, I ain't saying. <laughs> Let us stand.